I'm Jordan Blue, duty from uh, Kelowna, BC. I've been living in Montreal for about three and a half years now. Visual artist. I've been focusing mostly on textile work lately, um, based mostly in costumes for theater, which has been really exciting. And I'm uh, David Duty, David James Duty, and uh, I was born in on the East Coast, um, but was raised in the West Coast. So I moved to Prince Rupert when I was a kid and then grew up in the West, and that's where Jordan and I met. Yeah, and just been here the same amount of time as Jordan, obviously, <laughs> for, for, for three and a half years. And now um, the thesis is done. So that's kind of the biggest kind of event that's happened recently for us. And now we're moving our house uh, back to the West Coast and keeping the studio here. Hey, this is Marcus Wilson, and this podcast is called Into This. Welcome to it. In this show, I have conversations about contemporary arts with artists, curators, writers, collectors, etc. How are you guys dealing with the heat? The first week of July in Montreal was insane. How was it there where you're listening? Any hot? How do you deal with it? Do you go to the pool? Maybe lots of popsicles? Not too much clothing, perhaps? <laughs> you know, as Montrealers, I think we are actually entitled to complain about the weather. It goes from minus 30 during the winter to sometimes plus 40 in the summer. That's pretty crazy. That's extreme, no? But we like it here, and I guess we'll continue to endure it and try finding some relief by complaining about it, <laughs> which is the, uh, what everybody does around here, I guess. You know, this year the heat wave came exactly the same time of moving day, which is also Canada Day. Happy Canada Day, by the way. And uh, if moving day wasn't already a pain <laughs> at a heat wave and a trip to Ikea, and you have your perfect compatibility test for potential partners and roommates. <laughs> so if you pass that, you can bet that you'll have like a really great life living with these people. So anyways, I hope you guys are all right and not too cranky about the weather. Just enjoy it. So did I mention that I have Jordan and David Duty today as guests? I think you heard that at the very top, right? So they are a West Coast collective duo. They work mainly in sculpture and fibers, and they are interested in investigating the relationship and conversation between 3D sculpture and the virtual networks, including the post-internet age of image explosion. When I met them back in October in 2017, they had just finished an MFA in sculpture and ceramics from Concordia University, and they were going back to the West Coast to pursue an MFA in sculpture and fabrics from the University of British Columbia. They also made history back in 2008. They were the first duo to have ever graduated with a BFA in creative and critical studies from UBC as a collective, right? So two people graduating as one, as a collective. And we'll get into that in the conversation we had. It was really interesting. They have shown in a large number of venues, including La Roche Jonca Gallery in Montreal, the Gardner Museum in Toronto, Art Helix in Brooklyn, in New York, Art Mur in Montreal, the AGO, which is the Art Gallery of Ontario, among other places. Okay, if you have met David and Jordan Duty, you know that there is no one single dull moment in their presence. <laughs> they are very, very good doing PR, and as I mentioned during our conversation, this has definitely been a factor for they to advance their careers as artists, which I think is a really good lesson to learn. Of course, they are really great artists, of course, and, and you will hear in depth during the conversation that 
they don't wait for a gallery or venue to, to offer them a show. They go out there and make it happen by themselves. And I think there's a lot of value on that entrepreneurship spirit, right? So that's, that's really great. You'll hear about that in a minute. So I had a real blast talking to Jordan and David about their intertwined lives as artists, couple, parents, friends, etc. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. And as always, thanks a lot for listening. This is me and the dude is talking. Where was the party? Oh, the party was uh, what well, we didn't know until know. it was like a secret location. Oh, shit. Secret location. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it was like literally you went into it. They're like, you go to this place downtown, which we thought we, we thought it was going to be out of town. But they're like, it's yeah, downtown. We, yeah. Everybody thought it was going to be in a different place. So I think they set it up so that everybody would tell Get each a, other that it was in a different place. Uh, mm-hmm. Somebody told me that these parties happen like out in the south yeah, or somewhere. Yeah, well, it's in, in St. Bruno. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and so this... We've been there. Yeah, we've been times. there for a few parties. Yeah. But the, it's, um, this one was like in town. And it was like right downtown in kind of not the financial area, but like in the business area. And you were just kind of going through these kind of like areas. And then all of a sudden you came up and we came up inside of this church type building. I don't know what kind of exact religious kind of, it was like a Christian church of some time, but it was like square, like a big square, massive room. Mm-hmm. It felt like a cathedral, cathedral, but it wasn't like Gothic. No, but- it was new school. It was like kind of like... 70s or 80s. Yeah, something like 90s, that. It had like a huge like stuff. balcony where you could go and like witness everything that was going on, but there was no seating on the bottom floor. Huh. So yeah. it was just like, and we walked in, there was like this huge organ playing and it was like all like, it was like apocalypse, it was supposed to be after the apocalypse, like a tribe has, you know, we were congregating together. So it was, uh, it was really quite cool. a spectacle. It was amazing. Yeah, the lights and sound was like top notch. The food was the best. Like it was all like, uh, the food that was served was all like served on these big birch logs that were sliced in half. And it was like huge piles of seafood and stuff and like octopus and salmon and all these roasted vegetables and things. And then um, everyone had chopsticks at the table that were kind of like the like set up for kids, you know, where they have the chopsticks with the with the elastic. Yeah. yeah. Elastic, yeah. And then they said the only rule is you can't feed yourself with the chopsticks. So every and everyone was in costume and for dinner it was like there was the party after but there was the dinner there was probably about 120 of us for mm-hmm. dinner. And so then they had these huge tables and no one you all got a seat assigned to you by what number you picked as you went in so everyone was sat together randomly. Um so there was like a lot of people we didn't know for sure. Obviously a lot of people for dinner. <laughs> and then <gasps> we yeah. didn't know everybody. It was super weird. Yeah, it was super cool. But then you had to feed everybody and everyone was costumed because it's a costume. So you party. never know who you felt. Yeah, no, it was yeah. super cool. It was really, really super cool. I ended up sitting with the CEO of Cirque Now. Okay. Uh, and then the like like personal finance manager for ghee. So I was like, whoa, this is crazy. And I didn't, we didn't find that out till later in conversation, but we were like feeding each other across the table and we were having so much fun. And I was like, oh, you guys are like proper executives and yeah, I'm totally yeah. proper, 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 yeah. proper, just proper me over here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is the greatest thing of Montreal. I feel like there are some instances where you can like find people from other walks of life. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. And, like, you know, I've, I've really found that when we moved to Montreal, um, whenever we go out, 
I never knew what to expect. Like, Mm -hmm. once you kind of get used to your hometown and the things that are going on around there, it's like, okay, you kind of know what everybody's going to be wearing already and you know what kind of music's going to be playing, you know what kind of food there's going to be. But we found when we came to Montreal, every time we go out, we'd be so surprised. And everybody was like a real individual here. Like, nobody really wants to look like everybody else. So that was a really nice surprise for us. Mm, We're like, wow, we're like just having one experience after the next and they're all totally different. And what it's a been vibrant city. a super vibrant city for, for culture that way. Like everybody's got their own thing going and it's just as good as everybody else's. Right. It doesn't have to be the same as everybody else's. No, you know? I, I think that's it too. I think yeah. like specifically like Montreal, I think for like a, like a huge number of reasons. And I think that's really apparent coming from the West Coast, uh, living in Vancouver for quite some time and having a studio and operating in the same kind of way we are here where we had like you know we're making most of our uh, all of our income through creative veins so you meet similar types and styles of people Um, but coming to Montreal the kind of one the creative sector is the biggest it's so much bigger it's a lot bigger than Vancouver's scene and even in populace Mm -hmm. but like coming here like you know the fact that Quebec as a province has really kind of worked towards kind of celebrating the culture of the people inside. Not in all ways, but Montreal has promoted other people's kind of individualism as kind of like the pride of the, the city. And I feel like as an outsider coming in, it was such a welcoming city. The diversity is so rich that you really feel like you really are getting the opportunity to see and do so many kind of cool things with so many people. And mm-hmm. like you said, it's always so diverse, mm-hmm. always so mm-hmm. different, you know? I really like it. Yeah. I think Montreal is the coolest place yeah. maybe in the world. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you just can't go out there and make that stuff. <laughs> That's why I'm moving to BC tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually. <laughs> right? No, but yeah. No, but it's really, it's fantastic. There's so much to offer here and it's, it's given fantastic. us such an incredible experience that yeah. um, we're going to take with us too and, you know, kind of share. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's, a, it's a pretty transient city as far as I can tell because there's so many people. It's true. So many it's people true. coming it's and going. It's true. It's That's what so keeps the pulse going. I think it's good. I don't think that's a negative thing. I think that's like a positive thing mm-hmm. that I feel like of all the people we hang out with in Montreal, n- not many of them are born. It's not like you, you don't have, like Montreal's authenticity doesn't seem to be explicitly connected to like nascent roots. Like you have to be born here to be part of Montreal's thing. It seems exactly the opposite yeah. that it's really like welcoming to so many, so many people, mm-hmm. at least from our experience. We've just had so, we've, had so just been, we've just enjoyed it so much and we've just been treated so well by so many people. It's yeah. Just, how do you compare the art scene specifically with uh, Vancouver? What happens in Vancouver? I mean, the art scene in Vancouver is great. Yeah. But it's here. What would you say? Would you say, I'd say it's just like, it's just bigger. It's more for, it's just huge here. It is huge here. There's a lot it's a more. maker society. Yeah, I feel that, like, I mean, Vancouver um, is super vibrant with arts. Um, and they've got lots of culture of things, you know, happening. A smaller scale because it's not as big of a city. Um it feels a little like Vancouver has a bit more of a conservative kind of vibe going. It's it's they put a lot of uh, attention on like the commercial galleries there. Um, a number of years ago, I guess like maybe five or seven years ago, they did a lot of budget cuts um, for the arts in BC through the government, and it killed the mm. the artist run centers heavy. It got really really hard to sustain the underground art scene because everything had to shut down. Like there was yeah. no money, right. um, which also you know brings a strength to your community, but it, it makes it difficult to get out and get those you know those CV names on there where you're trying to get shows, but all the galleries are gone. So <laughs> that was that was a sad uh, there, but. Um, 
I think there's a lot of things that go on in BC that create it's like and like any place that kind of cultivate the certain kind of culture that it has, you know. Yeah. And I think that you're right. Like Vancouver, if I mean, although I felt like we had many friends that were like us and then tried to, you know, like had a at least this idea of keeping it rad. And I'm sure lots of people in Vancouver would be like, you guys aren't even rad at all. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, but I think that like um, there are a lot of things that kind of cultivate the, the the scene there. And I think one of them is the history of photoconceptualism is really big, right? Like Vancouver was Canada's voice in, in, in art for the world on the world stage. Uh, and it was photoconceptualism. So Photoconceptualism is super cool, and there's lots of things about it, but if you're not really doing that, not that you're not in, but there's a legacy of that, and that legacy is something that you're dealing with, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, and so I think that uh, really not working in that kind of vein at all for us, you know, it just felt like... We'd... Sometimes it's challenging. Yeah, yeah. sometimes But we've rocked it. We made our own shows happen. Yeah, that's kind of been our style. Yeah, we kind of do our own thing anyways, wherever yeah. we are. And we're you just, can't... You yeah. can't. feels like one of the things that's been a theme for, for us, I mean... For, for better or for worse, like, I don't know, you know, when you talk about careers and, you know, putting yourself in a certain place or whatever, I don't know if we're doing it right or wrong. I have no idea. Uh, 16 I, years yeah. and we're yeah. still eating. Yeah. yeah. So we're that's, right. yeah, so I think it's good. Um, but uh, <laughs> Still being fed. But yeah, for, yeah. For us, yeah, for us, and I think a lot of our friends, too, is that the kind of sentiment has been like, why wait for a, a gallery to pick you up and show your work when you can just rent a space or find a space and, and throw an art show. So for us, that's always been kind of our move that we've done. And I don't mean like our move, like no one else does that, but just we're like, okay, well, we've got work. We've got, a, we're connected to a group of artists, like a, a large group of artists and they want to see art and all the peripheral people want to see it. So let's just get together, throw a show. Let's get a band or a DJ and some other friends that are also in the different scenes and see what we can put together. Make our own thing happen. You know? Yeah. So that's yeah. been sort of like a, yeah, the MO. Yeah, like for your, sure. Like, I yeah. mean, like, we've done tons of, like, well, tons. We've done lots of gallery shows, and, and we've been uh, fortunate enough to be able to find our way into, you know, some artist-run centers and stuff like that and gotten some solo shows, which has been great. Uh, but it's, like, it's they're not better. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, doing, like, a solo show at a, a really nice artist-run center with a budget is nice, but it doesn't make the show better, doesn't make the work better necessarily, and it doesn't make the way it's received better. Uh, I mean, I think artist-run centers really kind of function on a cool community that they connected to and that's yeah, what makes artist run centers super cool. Yeah. But when we're in a city for a while and or if we've had friends in cities for a while, you tap into that kind of maybe uh, the artists, maybe it's mostly artists that end up showing up to the party, but I think we probably even, we yeah. make art for artists too. It's not just for like the general public or anything. Yeah. I think like we make, yeah. Yeah, and, and one, one of the things um, that I guess like artist run centers and galleries that are more known and all that it gives you is more like validation. Right? It does give you validation. Yeah. And, and they, they usually have a cool space and yeah. they usually have good like networking. good techs and mm -hmm. like, people. yeah, like people to help you out with stuff, which is cool. Yeah, you don't um, have to buy all of your own lights and install them. That's what we just did. Yeah, we usually do that. <laughs> yeah, we have like this nice great, you don't have to. Yeah, we have this great <laughs> program going. It's the Home Depot uh, artist return policy. And I, so I, did we get, that. I, I did that. I did that this, this uh, summer. Oh, yeah, that's it's what you so, do it. It's so good. Like, I hope that they're not listening to this, but like, yeah, it's just so tempting. Yeah, it's so great yeah. Yeah. I don't ask we, you we, any 90 questions. days I know. no 90 days bring it back put it back yeah. in the box like we've done a few shows here now in the last little bit where we've had to buy a whole bunch of lighting and we go in and buy like a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars worth of lighting and use it 
put the bulbs back in the jackets and bring it back. And they're like, sweet, take that back. No problem. No questions asked. And the way they've got it set up is that if you, when you're buying stuff, if you let them email you the receipt, I'm sure there's all kinds of tracking that goes on that, but it's perfect because you don't even have to show up with the receipt, no. just your bank card. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we can see everything you've bought. I'm like, sweet, can I bring all this stuff back? They're like, yeah. <laughs> tricks so, of the trade. Yeah, tricks. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's just it's just great. But yeah, I mean, in in terms of like going up there and then doing your own thing, it's what kind of like a lot of people are doing in Montreal, right? Mm-hmm. Like you get Sunda TW or like yes, that's a uh, great example. For yeah, sure. or like um, Vidange, yeah, and other places like that. And one of the things that I've been talking to these people about is like. That sure. One of the things is I need to express and I need to like have this show because I have all this work. What do I do mm-hmm. with it? But then the other thing is, what does it say about the institutions? And without really being the argument directly towards that, it says a lot that there's oh, not like time. enough spaces, right? For artists, for new artists to like start showing their work and all that stuff, right? I think this is one thing too that it's becomes the challenge but it also becomes like it's the one thing that that we've got to try and remember when like looking at institutions is how much paperwork it takes to stay running as a gallery and like to keep everything kind of keep the doors open and so in that there has to be a lot of organization and then that that organization has to project itself so far in the future so that that really creates this massive slowness like it's a lag like by the time things are turning around you're looking at People who have applied 18 months to two years earlier, and who knows if what they're doing now is what they were doing then. So sometimes people are putting in work that they have proposed a while ago, and then they've been sitting on it, or the concept maybe was really relevant at the moment, or, you know, and and, and also like when, like we've been in the same position too, where we've had shows coming up and you have like a year to think about them, you end up really drastically changing it, which can be cool, but that can be a conflict with mm. the gallery can be like, oh, but we have these texts and you're like, yeah, but we want you to redo these texts. And they're like, but this is too close to the show. And you're like, okay, well, let's just try. What about this? You know? And so, yeah. but I mean, yeah. in respect of the galleries, it's cool that they keep the doors open because oh, yeah. that's Funding, the staple. Right? It's big. Yeah. But man, institutions, yeah. I mean, like you're constantly seeing work that was cool. When you go, I mean, like, even if you go to, like, any museum or, like, even, like, the Mac and stuff, I mean, you're seeing work that was, like, was awesomely banging five years ago or, yeah. like, an artist that was on fire five years ago. It's hard for them to keep up with what's happening now. Sure. But then in we were talking also about these ideas of how could that change even with the residency program. We could even maybe talk about that, too. But the fact that smaller scene artists and artist-run galleries that are actually artist-run galleries because they're, like, we have an extra space at our studio – yeah. Here it is. This is what's going to go down. And we're just going to show people that are doing stuff right now yeah. is a different kind of engagement with the living culture of the art scene that is it, it, it's really hard for that, I think, to flourish in an institution yeah. kind of setup. Yeah. yeah, totally. I think that's also on that point, too, when we talk about gentrification and stuff. I think that's one of the super interesting ideas about um Montreal as a space. Montreal as being like a kind of post-industrial city that had a massive industrial boom, being like the kind of capital of industry in Canada, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of in the early part of the 1900s and right up to this, like, kind of, I guess, late 50s, early 60s. Um, being such an industrial city and then that kind of work vacating, then there's so much open space like there's architecture here that mm-hmm. exists for a long time that's kind of been neglected or and or just was well built and stays you know kind of whatever yes. like our studio like space or whatever. but there's like in Vancouver you can't find 
um, you can't find spaces as easy to, you know, to build a studio or residency that's cheap enough because the rent is so high, especially now in, in recent years, the rent is so high. You just can't, uh, you can't afford to, to, to do that kind of stuff. But in Montreal, you can, and you can get an, like an epic piece of architecture for cheap and you can hold on to it for six months and you know, it's not going to be there in eight, but it's going to be there for six. <laughs> so everything that happens <laughs> has, this, yeah. Yeah, has yeah. this kind of urgency to yeah. it, this kind of sense of like becoming is right there unfolding in front of you. So yeah. I think that's another kind of, uh, factor that's made Montreal such an enjoyable place to come and work and yeah. live. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Montreal is one of those cities that is still kind of like safe from that boom of, of prices, right? Yeah. Real estate prices. There's a bit of a boom happening with all those condos oh down on the canal. Like yeah. all those industrial buildings are now inhabited, True. you know, and it is quite beautiful in the canal. Like we live in St. Henry and um, our studio's in Griffintown. So we would just hop on our bikes from St. Henry to Griffintown on the canal. And it was like the savior like, it was so awesome. It was so, so pleasurable to ride down the canal. And all these people are now living in these old industrial buildings that have obviously been renovated. But it's the sweetest part of town to live. Like, I know everybody wants to live in the plateau. <laughs> yeah, I dig it. It's, like, sure. pretty radical. But uh, just south of there, yeah. <laughs> we're... Uh, all the small towners. Ooh, yeah, all the small towners are, like, a quiet community. We're all happy down there by the waterway. <laughs> yeah. by, the by the toxic waterways. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, all these signs, like, it looks so beautiful. You're like, I just want to jump in. Come no, no swimming. It's like, we'll swim anywhere. Yeah. It's like... People no, are dude. fishing down there. Yeah, it's trippy. Where are they actually? I don't oh, know yeah. if they're eating them because it says in big signs like, everywhere, no, like, yeah. please... Just don't because you'll turn into like a mutant. Oh, for sure. But lots yeah. of people like fish. A third eye. Yeah, you never see yeah. anybody swim. Like occasionally no. you see someone putting their feet in and then everybody's like slowing down on their bikes to see if they dissolve. If they melt. Yeah. 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 Comes out just like bones. Yeah, totally yeah. like that guy in RoboCop 1. <laughs> yeah. You guys remember that guy? No, the guy who gets the right toxic now. waste thing on him? It's an epic scene. Yeah. Yeah, RoboCop, RoboCop 1. I'll check That's it out it. later. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we haven't really even talked about like your work. So like, oh, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's do that. Topic. Let's do that. Yeah. Artwork um, that you made. So, um, so yeah. How do you guys describe what you guys do? I know that is a little bit different for both, but at the same time, you work together, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So we've been working together for 16 years, and we've been we've been a collaborative for that entire time. Even mm -hmm. if there's like like one project is kind of focused one by the other or by like one yeah. or the other, we'll take lead at different stages and that's kind of has a natural flow to it. Um, but yeah, we've definitely been a, a full-time collaborative on every work since then. Yeah, I think because we do... Um have, you know, our own personal comforts with how we want to work and what materials we like to use more than the other. Um, we're able to bring, like, uh, two sides of the story together, which I think is why we work so well together, because we both are kind of thinking bigger than just, you know, like, two hits better than one kind of thing, you know. So we're yeah, able to kind of, yeah, we're able to kind of uh, have a constant conversation going about, you know, what we're thinking about, what we're imagining. And then with that, we're able to kind of visualize, you know, through some ideas. And then we're, and then we bring our skills to the table, you know, and then it's like, okay, well, I'll do this part. You do that part. Mm -hmm. What if I try this? How does that look with that? So it's always like a constant back and forth, which yeah. is really fun, mm -hmm. you know, and it's nice to be able to share that with somebody. Otherwise you're stuck in your brain, <laughs> were, were <laughs> you were know, you, like yeah. trying to make it all happen. So yeah. It's were so you true. already artists when you met? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We okay. were. We both. We're pretty were young, so we yeah. were like, you know, would I wouldn't have called myself an artist, uh -huh. but I was creative and right. make. I was a painter. We'd and, both yeah. gotten into Emily Carr, uh -huh. and both had dropped, not dropped out, but bailed on going at different times before we knew each other. So mm -hmm. when, yeah, when we got together, with the one of the first things we did was we got. Uh, 
offered to do a, a, a live painting gig, which was kind of like, a, I don't know, not a novelty, but it seems like a novelty. I don't see much of that now, but it seemed like that was what was going on. And someone was like, hey, we're doing this club night. We, would you guys be in? We got DJs. Would you be into doing a painting live? And then we're like, yeah, awesome. So we did yeah. this giant, crazy, weird painting. It was really cool. It was pretty radical. It was like multiple pieces. Yeah, with all these, like uh, panels. And we ended up, because of that, ended up doing getting hired to do live painting quite a bit. Huh. And then we were like, this sucks. Like, this was, is the worst kind of painting you can do. So like, this is pressure. Like, we're like, oh, oh my it's God. horrible. And people are just watching you. When yeah. You're yeah. Like, and you're in a bar or like or a restaurant not. or, you know, or you're you know. just there and you're doing it and like they're not watching because you are in a bar or a restaurant. Like <laughs> you, you know, said. they were like, you know, you're, I don't know. Just yeah, a weirdo artist in the corner, like making art and everyone's like, and that's the weirdest art for, I've ever seen. Sometimes it was for a good cause. Like, oh, yeah, raffle the painting off and, you know, like make money to support. Or, right. yeah, whatever it was, yeah. What I'm angling with this question is like, mm. so oh. like you were always working together, always like yeah. doing this. Like you, you remember the time when you were working alone? Like I'm kind of like want to compare like how do you oh, work alone yeah, with how do you work to, together? Well, I don't. You trying just... to remember? Whoa, like, <laughs> Well, I guess um, I don't know if I've changed that much really. Like I'm kind of the uh, I like making art when I'm making art. I like to go to the studio and kind of get into the mood. I'm a bit more expressive. Like, I'm not too... Um, I don't have everything figured out before I get there, mm. you know? Like, I like to go in and kind yeah, of... You're good with going, on, going with the flow. Going with the flow. I think that's kind of my style or approach to making art because I want it to feel very genuine, you know? So I like to go in there and be able to, like, be responsive to my materials and then think through the problems as they come up. Um, where I think yeah, David pretty... is kind of the opposite as far as like practice is concerned. He's like got everything really set and he's mm -hmm. got all these diagrams, but he's more like he's like building more stuff than and I'm a little bit like, you know, yeah, a bit more free flow. But it's, it's really good. It, that it way. Is, it is, <laughs> yeah. It's super complimentary, but it's really funny because generally speaking, people assume that I'm really free flow and like that. I'm like a real loose guy in the studio and super chill because that's kind of yeah. my general yeah. attitude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm totally. not in the oh. studio. I'm like way more like I am. But I'm like, I have a hard time just taking a left turn in the middle of something on my own. Like if, I, if I'm on my own, I constantly, I'll come up with this idea and I'll try and, f try and get there. Uh, and I never have yet. So it's really this <laughs> like total like futile, this futility is built into the way I work and this kind of like struggle and this angst. But Jordan is able to like come in and just like always take turns like wherever which can drive me so crazy yeah. like it's like i'm like how are you gonna what are you talking about we should just do that that that's is the that's, wrong color i was like we totally said yellow and you're talking pink like what yeah. i don't know i don't know i can't deal and then i have to sit down and like catch my breath because i'm gonna pass out <laughs> meanwhile she does the move that like basically makes the work work and can respond to what's there and then i and then i can go okay thanks for doing that but uh, yeah it's like a, it's a it's a back and forth for sure it's definitely like uh we have definitely spent a lot of time painting together where we worked on one canvas together, which can be very challenging because literally there can be a physical kind of a space that you're trying to deal with one at a time. And like you've got like two right handed people trying to paint mm -hmm. it literally at the same time. Um, it, works, it works. It works. It works <laughs> for sure. And we do enjoy each other's company so much. So I think that it's it's also art was a way for us to kind of avoid having to get two separate jobs yeah and being like hey we're going to do two 40 hour weeks away from each other and then come back so we've tried to i mean um, and most people like are like you should 
you know, my parents were like, you shouldn't try and have the same job. You shouldn't always yeah. try and be together. You shouldn't make art together all the time. You should try something different. And we're like, yeah, yeah okay. I think we just feel like we're gonna. And that's <laughs> been the best thing. And then people are like, wow, not that we've been married that long, 16 years, but people, I mean, <laughs> to me, that's a long time. Cause it's like almost my, like, it's almost my entire adult life. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty close. Yeah. My God. It's okay. <laughs> But I mean, don't like, think about it's okay. it. don't think about it. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> but I mean, that's how that's that's been our approach is to try and do everything together so that we don't have to be apart. And that we I mean, you know, whatever. I mean, we're not afraid that we're going to grow apart. Maybe we were when we were young. Um, but I think now, actually, it's gotten to a point where we're way more comfortable in the studio yeah. to make moves and decisions apart that go together because yeah. the work has gotten more complex and we generally work on multiple pieces at a time. And so in that process, it can be like sharing the work where she has a piece that she's working on I have a piece that I'm working on and we swap mm -hmm. or like at this stage there's so many stages to a piece like a piece works usually take kind of six to 18 months to kind of come together mm -hmm. and we usually work on you know maybe 10 pieces at a time uh, or, and, and lots of other random stuff um, and so that process allows us to to solve problems over time and it gives that kind of creative kind of opening mm. mm -hmm. to, to, to kind of grow much more naturally and then that's I think that's a process for us that's kind of evolved naturally that we've we kind of both know our own instead of trying to do every part together we know and have confidence in each other's yeah, skills that's like okay go. you deal with that I'll deal with that mm -hmm. and then I mean that sounds like a great uh, complementary thing that, mm -hmm. yeah. that, that Jordan you have like more like a improv kind of a thing going on and you have more like a, a structure yeah, yeah the structure of like yeah. uh, going on and yeah I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that sometimes can be nerve-wracking yeah see, like, <laughs> yeah, I remember, like yeah. yeah working with like people in like assignments yeah. and then you're like oh shit I don't know how, what you're gonna do with this yeah. thing but then like even though it's a different way of like thinking of a problem I think yeah. at the end the result is that like, good even though it's not your method right? yeah exactly. well no it's exactly yeah. that and mm -hmm. I think that's that's I mean like when you're looking at like the art making process like you, you know we're working in aesthetics for the, a, a big chunk of it is you know we're working aesthetically and we're working through this idea of communication even though there's a lot of like ambiguity and mystery that we really enjoy and we really don't want to we don't want to be too like this is the message that we're trying to give we actually don't do that but it is about a discovery and that happens, I think, with every artist and their work, even if it's a struggle, like for me, where I say I can't make a new decision in the middle of a thing. You're always making a new decision yeah. in the middle of a thing for every artist. But I think that when you bring in a second person, and if you are actually not using that person as a tool, if you're actually working in a sense of equilibrium where both people are contributing, it becomes this idea of gestalt where we have like the sum is greater than the parts. Is mm -hmm. that right? Or mm -hmm. the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I put that down wrong. So like, it's not just Jordan and I meeting and then we have a David Jordan piece, but when we meet together, it's like, there's a third thing. You know, it's like this new thing that's yeah. like bigger than both of yeah. our yeah. own. Our, neither of us could have imagined it on our own. Synergy. Working. There's yeah. a synergy. Yeah, exactly mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Exactly that. Right. So yeah. I think that's really cool. What about, what about that in your marriage life? I mean, like outside mm -hmm. the studio, mm -hmm. is it like comparable to that? Like how do you, how yeah. is that? Yeah, yeah, for, yeah sure. for sure. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's like the same, it all kind of intertwines into itself. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, our lives yeah. it's like it's like our lifestyle is how we've kind of mm -hmm. built it so it's like yes it's nice to take a, a break from the studio because yeah. it's like you don't always want to have to be on work mode <laughs> that's so a, we, we that have happens to, sometimes yeah we have <laughs> to practice well when we're busy it's like yeah. i mean any 
artist is completely immersed all the time, but it's good to be able to turn it off. Um, and sometimes we have to remind each other, we're like, okay, no more work talk. Let's just eat our food yeah. and enjoy our children. You know? Exactly. <laughs> so we have to be parents as well as, you know, best friends, as well yeah. as husband and wife, as well as a working artists. Yeah. So, and, and, and so many so other lots things of different channels, you know. How many kids do you have? Two. Two. And they're big. How old are they? Uh, as long as we've been married, the one. Well, uh, <laughs> our son is 15. Yeah. yeah and our uh, daughter 16. is turning 13. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. how's like how's raising kids as, as artists? Like, how's that? So fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's like all yeah, the fun play natural. stuff. Right. You know, it's just like I'm so into it. I love <laughs> I love having, you know, all the games and, you know, they work. I mean, they grew up in the studio. Yeah. So they sure. they know what it's all about and they know, yeah. you know how we go about making art. That's part of their lives as well. Yeah. Um, and it's really nice to be able to share it with them. You know, it's like a whole nother, you know chapter in the book you know it's like us sharing together but then we also have our children that we want to educate and and give them really amazing experiences and you know they've been living with artists and we're surrounded by other artists as well so they have like this huge network of really cool people all around them already, all the time yeah. already yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. they've yeah. really they've really kind of had the opportunity to form their own personalities on, on, on a lot of their own terms um I think that just the kind of default of being, you know, in an artist family, there's like, there's always this room for, you know, you're always expression. trying to, yeah, expression and trying mm -hmm. to give them that space. So they, mm -hmm. they're definitely dressed a lot stranger than the kids they bring home. It's not home. strange, it's unique. Oh yeah, right. I got to <laughs> use the word strange or weird to describe and, my kids. <laughs> Even though I feel like that's the word they're I would like. inspiring yeah. and unique. Yeah, I, I, I use that word with the most kind of endearing kind of. Of course of, you do. Yeah, no. most endearing um, but it's, it is interesting because it was, it was literally like our practice and you asked about the idea of like how similar that is and, yeah. and like our life together was really started quite fast. It was, it was a really passionate kind of like we, 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 we met each other, moved in and, and all these things happened within a couple of weeks and we oh, were wow. just like, and we've been together since then full time. And like when we realized that Jordan was pregnant right away, like within a couple of months, we're like, whoa, this is where we're doing this. And we're like, well, what are we going to do? And we're like, okay, well, we're going to stick together and let's try this out. Like, well, okay, let's yeah, have we're a baby. Young. Yeah, mm -hmm. so we're like, well, well, this could be great. Like, you seem like a great idea to be, like, with forever. <laughs> and uh, whether she thought that or not or just agreed, I, we, we're together. <laughs> but we then after after that, we really felt like, okay, now that we're having babies, let's like we're going to take this serious kind of thought of things. And up to that point, we had both been living like a very kind of like freewheeling kind of uh, life for the years from then to high, from high school to then, you know, mm -hmm. which wasn't that long. So mm -hmm. we were 22 when we had Josh, I guess, mm -hmm. 22, 23. Um, and so we decided we were like, well, what is what are we going to do? Let's do something responsible. Let's do this. We got to get get our act together. Let's go to art school. And that was <laughs> that was our solution. That was like for we us that education. Was, yeah, but we yeah. can't go to school for like that. We got to yeah, like we got to yeah. keep it real. Yeah. We got to no, keep yeah. it real. There was yeah. no surfing yeah. school that we could go and oh, like damn. continue on with. So it was like, okay, well, yeah. we can. We can go to art, art school, school and then go for a surf trip in the, every spring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We would go live on the beach. Yeah, yeah. Well, we did it quite a few years. We did it like maybe. Four, three, three winters back to back, where we were in Costa Rica. Yeah, well, yeah, three or four for sure. With babies, with babies, with both, both, both babies, yeah, yeah, both babies. Both babies yeah, yeah, wow. yeah, they've been to, to Central America quite a few times, Mexico yeah. and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. and, then, and those those guys, then they're gonna be like super cultured and like yeah, yeah all traveled. And, yeah, they're, yeah, they're very pretty cool. Yeah, like I, I think I can say that. I mean, obviously biased because they're our kids, and I do really <laughs> like them. Yeah, um, but I think they're I think they're 
They're really cool people. Yeah. They're very yeah, adaptable they're cool. and they love conversations. I mean, they grew up with like yeah, adults around them because none mm-hmm. of our friends had kids at the time. So they just hung out with us all yeah. the time and were really always very included in everything that was happening. And um, they got to experience lots of really amazing things, probably more than they'll remember. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's cool no, but to it's be part able of it to. Already. Yeah, it's part of their, oh, totally. their yeah. existence. So yeah. it's been. Like I said, it's been really fun That's you know, yeah, to be well, able to share it. Yeah. We, we have like a very like uh, like s- socializing has been really important for us. Yeah. Like, And so we've always been um, at a necessity, hosted a lot of stuff. So we're always hosting things, whether it would be like, you know, studio parties or dinner parties and stuff like that. Especially when we had young kids, it was easier for people to come to our house than us go to theirs. So and we are friends. I think I think maybe our interest in the art community and stuff like that has really been artists. You know what I mean? Like all of our friends are creatives, just like all of them, you know, they all have a great kind of spark. So all these people we just love to be around would, 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 I think we're enjoyable enough that people would. We always had lots of parties, <laughs> and so the people were always more by. food the better, right? Yeah, yeah. more food. And like I mean, yeah. very wholesome parties, yeah. like you know. And our kids grew up while we were quote unquote partying, but we weren't like getting crazy. Right. We were having good times yeah. and like really promoting like good social environments. So people yeah. were always on good behavior, and they could get loose. Yeah, but it was always good behavior. So I think that the kids seeing that and seeing so many different people come around all from all over different styles of people, like really diverse styles of people coming in, uh, you know, super eccentric artists of every kind coming in and like spending a week on the couch and, you know, doing stuff like that. And I think that really it was a cool thing for them. That was so positive. Yeah, Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. That must have been. Do you think they're going to be artists? No. no, I'm pretty sure they're going to be accountants. We're going to be like lawyers and an engineer. No. <laughs> our daughter, maybe I think our son is like, he's like going to be a scientist. I think he's, he's going to follow you, man. He's oh, going yeah. to follow, yeah, yeah. Right. He's, he's he's ready for science, cool. which is cool because science is like I think also for me is a really, really big creative. love. Yeah, I really love science quite a bit, mm-hmm. uh, and sciences and all kinds of different kind of technical engineering quality things, and so he's really kind of it's techie it's very techie yeah. and mm-hmm. it's very cool to see him the way he uses logic to take things apart and break right. things down so but he, yeah he is a, has a creative way of looking at everything yeah. so it. it's yeah. really actually um a good a good uh, a mesh there yeah, yeah no for sure yeah. i mean science it uh, i mean it depends what but i mean normally yeah it requires a little bit of uh, imagination and creativity oh, i think so sure. i think that's yeah. the beauty of science you yeah. know i think it really is so, it's yeah. so cool yeah, I think he might get into. He's pretty into piano. We we, mm-hmm. we were lucky while we were while we were here, the kids attended Faith School, and so Faith School is the fine arts core education school. It was an English Montreal English school board school, but then it got uh, annexed by the the French school board, which is really cool. So three quarters of the school was French, hundred uh, percent, and then one quarter of the school was English. So despite the fact that our kids were in French immersion here, uh, it was still an English program. Mm-hmm. So I think. I don't know if three or four of their classes were in English and then our the three rest. Yeah, it was seven. a bilingual kind of vibe. Yeah, but so. that's super good for them oh, too. Man. This it is was another a thing really that is great. Incredible yeah. education yeah. that we were able to receive while we're here. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think also for us too, one of the things that's been really interesting in trying to keep uh, a creative lifestyle and be true to that kind of like the idea of this living as artist kind of idea, we uh, would, we'd, look for work that, like I said earlier, we try and get jobs together and work together. So one of the jobs that we had for a lot of years, we ran an art camp, like a summer camp that would be not a stay away camp, but kids would come every day. And so we had this art camp and this was our 11th year this Mm -hmm, year. Yeah. 
uh, of teaching it. We'd mm-hmm. go back to BC from wherever we were, and we'd go up to the Okanagan, uh, and we'd teach this art camp. And it was two weeks. We'd be about you know seventy-five to hundred kids in that, oh, wow. and from ages kind of six to thirteen. Mm-hmm. So our kids went through that, and so they really had this kind of idea of art and education, and we tried to push that really a lot. So when the opportunity came to go to Face, they were both like super into this idea of going to an alternate high school. That they sounds great. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah, they've got a really good thing going there. Yeah. yeah. That was a cool school. The, the, all the kids that I felt were like they were in was... college almost. Mm-hmm. Like they, were at the ten, they had 10 classes and it was like really, like you said, it was like a rigorous Two program. hours a night of homework. Yeah, it was Every like... Every day. Yeah, and they, they were getting wanted education. to go. Oh, yeah. No, no, that's that's the they hated yeah. the homework. They hated the, yeah, the homework, homework sucked. Yeah. 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 I hated the homework. I, mean, I was like doing as much time on <laughs> homework with them as I was on my sure. thesis. I was like, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. She's, yeah. You don't say that. I guess that's not a no. like, no. bad word to say. Cheese. <laughs> Cheese. <laughs> my Roman Catholic Newfoundlander parents coming out. Yeah. Everything is yeah, don't Jesus say that. this, Jesus no. that. Both so of your funny. families are in, in BC? Yeah. No? Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, to be honest, like, I think you guys are the most uh, West Coast people that I know. <laughs> yeah, and we And this are. is great. Yeah, I mean, totally. it feels like super, like, relaxed yeah. and all oh, these yeah. cool things. BC like, knows how to do leisure. Like, it's yeah. way chill. Like, in BC, like, people are like, I don't know. I don't know. I've got, like, a different, like, idea of what leisure means. Mm. Or even accepting that leisure is important. Yeah. Actually, I think that's bottom line. <laughs> It's like, it's, Which is interesting because in the art scene, it doesn't seem to reflect that same kind of mentality. It really doesn't. So mm. it's like it's kind of like, yeah, fast, yeah. Fast, fast yeah, pace. it's a faster yeah. pace. But then yeah. in the we were talking about one of the things because we are going to be going back to B.C. for a period of time to take us. We're going to snowboard and do some skiing over the winter, which is so nice. Yeah. Take a break. Um, um, but is the fact that there are no hot tubs in Quebec. Like, yes, there are hot tubs, but there's not the same kind of hot tub culture as there is in B.C. And I think that says a lot. Sitting in a hot tub and chilling out is very yeah. important. Here, people are like, going to a hot tub, that's gross. Ew. Ew. Yeah. I'm like, what are you talking about? You yeah. know, like, they're like, well, we'll go to the spa. I'm like, that's cool, but it's 75 it's bucks. It's so expensive to go and sit in a hot tub here. We're like, wow, I guess BC's I'll just like go in a bag. So wait, wait, wait how, how, how yeah, does that like, work? Yeah, like, there's just, like, spas there's everywhere? Like, well, like, it's like leisure they're centers. Part of the, they're part of the pool. Like, the swimming like all swimming pools oh. will have super dope hot tubs. Huh. With like lazy rivers and like standing waves and go like surf Water slides and like yeah, inside. it's like, like you know, and the pools are warm. <laughs> Here you go to the pool, you have to wear a swinging cap. Fair enough, but I don't. Is that true? Wear, yeah, in, you gotta in, wear a swimming cap. Yes. Well, not the outdoor ones, yeah. but the indoor, indoor, indoor yeah. ones. You yeah. have to. Yes. Yeah, wear a swimming cap. So I was taking the cold. kids to pools here, and we're like, "Where do you go swimming pool?" And we're like, "Get there." We're like, "This sucks." They're for swimmers, <laughs> like just for people yeah. who are like, "I need to go yeah. faster in the water." Is yeah. a shark chasing me? I can go faster <laughs> than a shark. Yeah. Uh, that's not how I swim when I'm going to the pool. I like yeah. just lie down, just float. Yeah. yeah, it's like I can be in the tub with everybody. <laughs> right, no problem. Bring yeah. them all. Yeah, because at home, trying to be in the tub with everybody that ended maybe you know when the kids were still like small you can still do family tubs you know you can't do that now your, your teenage kids in the tub with you it's weird. Weird. probably yeah, probably it's weird, it's weird yeah. <laughs> yeah. no that's cool um yeah. i was listening to some of your interviews that you've done like mostly videos yeah and in one of them you were talking about your thoughts on the art market Oh. And I thought that oh, was okay. interesting. Mm-hmm. What were we saying on that? You were what saying were, uh, before we totally yeah. contradict what we were about to no, say. No, no, no. You're saying that you know, it's like it's not why you make work, right? Right. right? Like yeah. so it's not what drives you. Mm-hmm. But no. I guess everybody understands that that's important too, right? As yeah, it's it's interesting, the, and, and, and like the idea of like art fairs or like the art market and like what drives somebody to different and what, how do people measure success? And and I think that. 
um, whether it's just out of our own individual kind of voices that come out or whether it's because there's two different voices that are collaborating to make this work. I'm not sure what the end result is, but very oftentimes it doesn't really fit into the kind of equation that is like equally digestible for a consumer. Um, it's it's very digestible in an art show setting or like that, but it's not like we're on museum radars, I don't think. I think we're just like... I think oh. we have a different... I think because there's two of us, like... Mm -hmm. It's really to satisfy our own creative endeavors. Because there's two of us, we're agreeing that what we're doing is okay. Right. I think that that's so the, something... the validation is there. The validation yeah, is happening naturally, and I think that gives us confidence. And it, it, it's like gives us the allowance to do it. So I think that's really at the root of our practice. And then, of course, we do commissions for companies or but that's design work, you know, so that's like that's another side of our practice that we do have a commercial side to our practice, but it's not our focus. And we no. will do jobs because everybody needs to make money. That's right. It. So we do work for other people, uh, but we don't necessarily advertise it as our own artwork. So no, we, we, have a, right we have there. a separation there. Mm. Um, it's still us making yeah. like aesthetic decisions based upon yeah. our individual kind of uh, intuitions and our own design sense. So, I mean, it is still our work, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like um, but it's a like, commercial yeah, twist like, sort of, you know. Yeah, so we, we felt like there was a period of time early on where we, where we were doing quite a bit of painting. Like I mentioned earlier, we painted quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, and we were working with golden acrylics from New York for a while. And so at that time, we were doing a lot of painting and a lot of it became commercial work and like stuff like that. But when dealing with clients, you have you have another voice that's in there and that voice might not be on the same kind of wavelength that the conversation we've been having for a long period of time is on. So they might not get some of the subtleties or nuances or the desires that we need to fulfill a certain kind of material desire or a certain color or some kind of tension that m might not be appealing to their clients and that. So it becomes really, it becomes diluted. It can quickly become diluted. So we drew this kind of really strong line that we had to make a, a two practices. Right. One was our commercial work and one was our studio work. And so we don't advertise our commercial work through any avenues and it has not ever been a problem mm -hmm. for us to get lots of commercial work because people come into the studio and see that we have like a versatility and skills and a kind of a wide repertoire of kind of voices that happen in our work and they're like oh you're competent and confident enough to take on this task right and so those have gotten really they've been really good and we've been able to get some really especially being in Montreal here yeah. some oh, great through. commissions and big how budgets how does that work I mean like probably a lot of people would like to know like how to get some of those yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> like what's that sounds like I don't know I think, yeah. I think it comes from this idea that, like, at the core, I mean, who knows yeah. how the luck has come that we've been able to survive. Because, I mean, there are lots of people who have different kinds of success than we have that we would love to be part of, but this just hasn't come for us. But Such as? Um, well, just like commercial success, like I'm there's sure. some people who just make a killing selling their work and they've been able to find a way to do that. And I love that. Mm -hmm. But for us, that's not it. So like, I mean, it would be great if we only had to have one, one practice, mm -hmm. but that's not where we're at. So well, we like to have the weird, weird and wonderful artwork for galleries and solely for galleries. If somebody wants to buy it, awesome, but that's not what it's for. Mm. It's to like view and to enjoy and to share and create conversation, you know, and, mm -hmm. and spark people's imagination and, you know, make something aesthetically worth looking at. Interesting. You know, and there's lots of different layers to our work. So I think through that, people realize like, oh, I want to do a thing. You obviously can do that yeah. because your work has a quality, you're capable people, you're going to follow through, you're mature artists, you know, so then they, from there, We'll say, okay, let's let's do a thing, or I want you to pitch on this idea. We've got this, you know, project we're working on. Are you interested? Are you available? 
Yeah. I think you know? that, that yeah, yeah, a couple things too, exactly on that same point. Mm-hmm. One is that we have stuck with our work for, you know, 16 years we've been making art and we've been making, we've been putting in full-time hours, 40 hours a week together in the studio for 16 years. You know, sometimes you're working on something else or this, but generally speaking, we're full-time in the studio making work. Um, We have had a a good run of like artist exhibitions through artist-run galleries and stuff where galleries have put money towards us making work and helped us, you know, pay for our rent and stuff like that while we're doing it. Um, You know, sponsorships like Golden Acrylic Paints, they, they paid for our studio for three years and or four years, five years. Something five like years, that. five years in Vancouver. Like yeah. That they that that the money that they gave us for doing uh, rep work for them covered our studio costs in Vancouver for a long time. Mm-hmm. So there's like ways that we've been able to get around it, but also those ways have allowed us through a lot of extra effort and time have allowed us to just do our thing. And then when we're doing our thing, it's looks like us. Mm-hmm. You know, it looks very much like our work. So people see that and they see that that's all we're doing. They they that kind of I think that. That, that gives them confidence in that we can take on the job. Plus, our work is really versatile in that it really does encompass a lot of things, and we're very comfortable technically in a lot of in a lot of different ways. Whether our work is good or bad, I have no idea from outside. <laughs> technically, it's well-built. Technically, nice. in, in so many levels that we understand how these materials en- engineer together and can be functioned together. Um, so that works. And then we are totally interested in talking. So we, mm-hmm. generally speaking, don't mind sitting down at the table with different people and hashing out things. And communication has been the basis of our relationship in our own practice and our own life. And communication really is how we've been able to create a really strong marriage and, and, and personal relationship. Um, and it's also what we, I think, pride ourselves on the most in our relationships with the, in our social relationships is this idea to communicate is there. So I think mm-hmm. that falls into this kind of like open to networking yeah, opening and meeting when, new people. Yeah. yeah. Like we travel a lot, yeah. you know, like we love going and meeting new artists and yeah. chatting and it's amazing what avenues will open up. Mm-hmm. Through conversation. We're like being here with you right now. I mean, exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you guys look very much like that. And in any realm, people like to work with people they like. Yeah. yeah, totally. So that, you know, like you guys are very easy to talk to and like very open to, as you said, like anybody coming in yeah. from yeah. any place. You never place. know who yeah. you're going to meet. Yeah. <laughs> Until you, you were talking about like this guy that you were feeding in the party. Yeah. And yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, right. Hanging out with CEO. It's like a multi-billion dollar company. So, feeding him octopus legs. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. I, yeah. I, I think we all need a little bit of like West Coast in our hearts. <laughs> totally. I'll, I think come that's on great down. Comment. We'll host yeah. you. We'll be so totally. happy. We are, we're actually really hoping that people come to visit and oh, come and stay. Yeah. We want to hook up some some friends for sure. Like Yeah, we got to pay back. Yeah, let's make it happen. Let's go national with everything, you know, like physically national. It's different yeah. than internet national, yeah. which is nothing. <laughs> it's nothing. So, like, come to us physically. Yeah. Um, how good have you guys been at predicting the future? Have you ever been, like, always thinking about, like, so what are we going to do in, like, five years? What are we going to do in, like, a year? Is that always, like, a constant topic between no, the two of you? No, not really. I think maybe more and more just as of late because we've, plan to move back to BC but we when we moved out to Montreal from Vancouver we really didn't know how long we were going to stay mm-hmm. I don't we, know we knew the degree was three years uh, three yeah. years and open-ended at the end so it could be longer four or five easy yeah so we weren't really sure like but we're we like to make uh not I wouldn't say compulsive but we like to be open to new paths that come up I mean you can never really predict the future I think mm-hmm. but I think if you stay open to it then you'll find yourself surprised and I think that's more our mm-hmm. approach is to 
feel like you're following the path, feel the momentum and yeah. be inspired by that and yeah. follow the good energy and yeah. roll with it and then, you know, be open to the next move. Yeah. You know, I feel like we're a little bit, we're playing with the gypsy life a little bit right now, but it's keeping us excited and engaged. Um, well, I, I predicted that we'd be in love forever. It's really that first day I was like, yo, see me you're in the my one. eyes, I see you in your eyes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We actually did I'll fall in love forever. right away. I love you it was love at first sight. <laughs> She's like, okay, I love you. Forever. I actually couldn't look at him. He was so handsome. I was like, oh my god. And I would just, I was trying to avoid him. Actually, love potion works. Yeah, oh. yeah even for the non-handsome yeah. like myself. Yeah, it was yeah. an yeah. instant connection. Her. It's all those like <laughs> pheromones coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I smell yeah. a lot. Yeah. Of yeah. You. Yeah. Well, he hadn't washed his hair in about six months when I first. Oh, that's what him. it is. I like, usually don't wash my hair. Yeah, until I'm told my hair smells really bad. Yeah, she's like you. I can't sleep in the same bed as you. Your hair. Like how many how many times have you had a mullet? A mullet? A mullet? No, wow. <laughs> oh my god. It's going right now. Working on one right now. Yeah. <laughs> Lots. And they've gotten really long. Yeah. They've gotten really long. She has some very impressive haircuts. Yeah. yeah. Really I'll, I'll go with super That's, short, yeah. extreme haircuts too. Yeah. A lot of asymmetrical. Like again, being open to people. I have a lot of people who like to cut hair yeah. in our life. And we have they, a lot of yeah, hair artists, tattoo artists. Yeah, so I end up being the canvas yeah. for a lot of like yeah. early tattoo work by people mm. and which which is great now. I mean like people are like, well, what happens if you regret that when you grow older? And I said, Well, Too I'm late never now. gonna regret anything and, and now I'm looking back at some of the regrets that I have. No. 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 I mean, like, I think it's that's the, all, that's the spice of it too. But you see, like, I think that that's a, that's a constant also of your personalities. That mm-hmm. is like a like a buffer, right? Mm-hmm. Like you add something to it, it doesn't change that much. Yeah, no. You know what I mean? And, and and that's so great to see, especially as an artist, because I feel that artists sometimes are like very like peak of yeah. like emotions and like very like down mm-hmm. times. Are, like, but I always seen you guys like very like oh yeah, keeping it cool, stable. Yeah, yeah. That's, cool. Like, that's actually a comment that people have said before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. like, are you guys always happy? And yeah. definitely not. But I mean, like, I think. Generally speaking, we feel pretty, pretty like we've yeah. been for all the universe's good things it's thrown at us. I mean, either it's been it's been not yeah. it's been kind of easy to feel happy. It's been great. Yeah, we hang out a lot. We like each other a lot, so it kind of makes yeah. that fun. Yeah. And we offer different things. I mean, like David's super social, and yeah. you know, like he's really enriched my life with like his ability to network and like you know keep friendships alive like he's really good at that like even before we moved out here he always made a huge effort to talk to people that lived very far away just to keep like contacts with people say hey i'm just thinking about you i think you're amazing you know like even early emailing emailing yeah like emailing people i remember like hotmailing people when it first came out and just like i'd have a thought in the middle of the day and if i was near a computer i'd just i'd sit on the computer and i'd write like four or five notes i don't worry about editing i always write kind of like a bit more of a free verse poetry kind of style stuff which some people appreciate absolutely horrible spelling and grammar people always don't know what I'm saying or didn't for a long time but then spell check came out I definitely like to I I like to stay connected in contact in contact Mm -hmm. with with all the beautiful people that I've met because there's so many and it's worth it it's worth the effort to to, to try and keep in touch and like whenever you think of somebody I encourage all everybody in the family but all my friends too is like if you think of somebody you can just, you don't have to say much. You just say, hey, like, yo, thinking of you, period. Mm-hmm. And and then that person will send back a smiley face, you know, or you just send out a smiley face now. I love it. Yeah, yeah that's the, yeah, we were talking about that today, the keeping the human and technology, and we were kind of laughing. It's hard not to write a text without an emoji now. Oh, absolutely. Or like lasers it, or like love balloons or something. It's so much fun. I mean, it just feels <laughs> like, are you angry at me? What, what did it do to you? If you yeah, don't yeah. send me like a smiley face, yeah, right? Exactly. It's like, like, are you not happy right on? now? Yeah, yeah. It's like way too like robotic. Are you yeah, okay? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 
it was really cool when you see yeah, that emoji. Yeah, yeah. Like, right? yeah. yeah, it's a simple thing. But... And yeah, it's, that's interesting too because like an emoji or something, it's like it's like a way simpler form of communication. Like text is can be very like ambiguous. Maybe it could be Sometimes, very serious yeah. or very specific. Or but then you say something and you're like the tone is lost when you send a text message. And a lot of times, I think emotion is is recaptured through the emoji sequence totally. you send, which I think is really cool because it becomes very much like like visual artwork when you work like us in assemblage is that you have assemblage of materials and objects and images and they overall they when they're choreographed together they have a sentiment and that sentiment is the emotion you're trying to carry through and that sentiment might come through very complexly depending on how you put your emoji sequence or how you or how you line up your like tiles and your paintings and your sculpted clay and your you know I don't know drapery whatever all the things <laughs> yeah but right yeah and so that is a really good analogy yeah but that it's is like a really that. good analogy to explain sometimes like my non-artist friends right yeah. like mm -hmm. my scientist friends or like other yeah. other people like it's yeah. like putting together a bunch of like emojis and see what you feel yeah. at the end yeah yeah, yeah it's like a language it really, right yeah, it it's is. like yeah. a visual language that yeah. we're practicing that's it so we're trying to share and communicate but not tell people mm -hmm. explicitly like this is what you should feel when you look at this art I hope that's I hope you just feel whatever you feel and whether, you whether it's this you, or that. Yeah, because you yeah. just can't. You can't, I don't you can't tell make people. someone, you know. Objectivity yeah. in this is probably, you know, kind of like hard to Yeah, achieve. yeah, big mm -hmm. time. Like, mm -hmm. Especially when you're just using emojis because emojis are like <laughs> totally like such reduced. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're such, yeah, they're just such reduced, simplified language, but yeah. they become so complex again yeah. when they start to get stacked. And so I'm also an obsessive text messenger so i'll <laughs> i'll send out like random poems that are like pages and pages and pages long to like 25 different artists all over the world on a random in the middle of the night and then just see what the response comes back it takes you eight seconds to do and you can send it to as many people as you want yeah. and they're all in your close circle so they all you know they feel Either this kind of kinship or, or they hate yeah. it yeah, yeah. That's, I actually, it. that's I, it yeah, I was yeah, I, yeah. somebody would just like be like stop it <laughs> Definitely happens like that, and then those people get extra messy. Yeah, yeah exactly. the worst thing you can say is we resist, and then it's like, oh yeah, we'll break you down. We will be the the, the drip of water that like yeah. breaks through. Uh, during my thesis, I was preparing different ideas for the thesis as we were moving through, and uh, one of them was I had written done a lot of like kind of academic style writing, or I shouldn't say I we because we write together. I had come up with a, an academic paper, and we were working with it, and it was it, it had a, a good voice, and it was coming through nice and clear, and all this stuff. But it, it had gotten to a point where I, we had just kind of recycled it and reused it a few times over the year and like through these things. And I was like, okay, we got to do something different. But the ideas are sound. And I don't really want to make a new idea for the sake of making a new idea with mm -hmm. this. So we came up with this idea of trying to keep it real. And I was talking about how like the communication I have person to person and we have to each other through our data text messages has the ability to encompass more emotion. It has the ability to be more living and real. How do we bring that to academic writing? Like, you know, here we are trying to make art that stands in without words, you know, that is its own language and that speaks without a direct singular message that's open to interpretation and stuff. We're like, how do we do this with this idea of a written academic text? So <laughs> I sent out my first thesis, uh, I guess, what do you, my pre-thesis text yeah. as a 5,000 word text message. And I didn't send it as one text message. I sent it phrased. So I, I generally phrase text messages. Like, so if you get a text message from me, you generally don't, like if there's one 
paragraph that you're going to get, you'll get it in thoughts. So it'll be like the first sentence or the first two sentences. And then there's a, a moment for you to read that and think. And so I'm writing it as I would speak it. And so I'm writing it and like, you know, tapping the buttons and then like having the pauses or lots of dots and punctuation mm -hmm. and stuff. So you know when your phone is buzzing constantly? Yeah, it's me. You know, it's David message. telling you a story and you're like, oh my gosh. And it go. may be important <laughs> to you or may not. But yeah. Um, yeah, so I did that with the text message. It took, it took eight hours to text. To who? To uh, five readers that were, I said, you know, I asked five people. Oh, to okay. Okay, okay. My, not not to your thesis. to your professors as well. Uh, yeah. No, I did it once. That the first time I did it, I did it to five uh, other art students, yeah. and um, pretty much across the board, they loved it, and it was really fun for them. Even though it was a super annoying, and they were like, I had to turn my phone off. One guy said, like, you crashed my phone, and I really needed it. He, he wasn't quite as impressed, but he did offer some great criticism, so that was cool. It was um, an experience. Yeah. yeah. But then I took that to the to the the final thesis prep stage and we sent it at one more time to the to a group of professors and professional friends artists in uh bc that hadn't seen this text that drove two of them crazy yeah um and but the some people have like day jobs so we were talking oh, yeah, about for it. the second round of the of the the texting paper um david was you know like it was all words, right? And so it was like kind of dense. But then he wanted to give examples of what he was talking about. And I said, well, you should like give them YouTube clips or like send them images that correlate or like something totally random. Don't even have it related at all to what you're writing about. But then just send them like a happy dog video or like if you're going to use this platform, you have to use it like an everyday thing. So like hit it with a bunch of random emojis or like, you know, like take selfies of yourself and send them as part of the paper, which is totally, mm -hmm. you know, obviously different than how you would normally hand in a paper. So it was... Creating yeah. this weird language, but but it was it was looking at looking at more the idea of like, you know, could an academic text be delivered through the same kind of living communication that we do on the day to day when it's person to person, and does that if we do approach academic kind of thought through that uh, avenue, does it offer a potential for kind of a a more enriched kind of experience, you know? So how, how could how could it work? And so the second round had a lot more, um, like Jordan said, that were a lot more videos. A lot Colloquialism. More of like, yeah. Well, I think yeah. colloquialism was probably just as much, but it was yeah. like more, more video content, more kind of external content, which caused the process to be longer because I didn't want to pre-search anything because I thought that would be dishonest. I had to like only kind of keep it stream of consciousness. And uh, so it was just, kind of putting all these kinds of things yeah. in and stuff. It was really, it was cool. And then afterwards, I took all of the, I, I took the original text and I did like a, a booklet that I actually handed in for the, for that particular uh, thesis class. And it, it, it documented all of the screen, by screenshots, screenshots of the phone, of all of the conversation. And, and it was also interesting too, because the dialogue opened up space for people to respond because they were open text yeah. messages. And so there was, in all cases, people responding to certain things. Like a feedback. Like, there was a yeah. feedback. So that the, the, so it, it, it was challenging. It was really challenging to make those two things work. And I think that it didn't come out completely seamless by any means. But it definitely Good did it twice. So there was two, eight, eight. The second day was longer by at least an hour over because I did like the first and then I edited it and then redid it. But then I took all those, made screenshots of all those and printed the screenshots yeah. in sequence and then had like, uh, you know, all these Document. kind of more kind of like, this is what I was trying to do with this. This is where we got with it. This is where we think it could be good. This is what was a benefit. How was the reception of it? It was good. Yeah. Yeah. Got an A in the class. So. All right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Didn't end up actually using that for the thesis. No. Though. When it came down to it, no. it was like, wow, this is actually really challenging and yeah. totally daunting. And, yeah. and I don't want them to, a fear factor of like, I don't want to 
than to like in the last round yeah. be like, no, this isn't cool. So yeah, I, I heard I heard something like that. Marcelino actually yeah. did something like that in with that like chats. And then he printed all those things. He wanted that to be his thesis. Oh, his final. Yeah. And then, yeah, he got yeah. a lot of... Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, in the institution, yeah. once again, you yeah. do have to play by some of the rules. Like yeah, there are boundaries it. there for a reason so that everything can at least be categorized mm -hmm. and measured. And, each other yeah, and it has to like stuff. have a similar approach. But that's yeah. okay, too. It's good to exercise just staying within certain limits because yeah. your art definitely, I mean, ours doesn't stay within any limits at all. <laughs> so it's nice to have some things that you can count on. Sure. Yeah, it needs a structure or else challenging chaos. And like, I think the academic kind of system or the institution has has a small space. Like it has a, uh, it has a margin and you can challenge in that margin. And mm -hmm. I think we've both really kind of push towards the challenging of that margin as much as we can. But you have to realize, too, I think, or we had to realize that that has limitations. Mm -hmm. So when we were in our undergrad together, we uh, decided in our thesis year of our undergrad, if you can call it that, or our final year, that we would not be two artists. We'd be one artist. And that was like when we officially, like we'd always work together on all both of our projects. So we'd do double time in all our classes. But then we decided in our last year that we were only going to submit one body of work, which they accepted. We had been already there for four years and we'd, we were doing well. So, But we submitted our work as, uh, as a duo, as one artist, and we were the first collaboration that graduated from UBC. So at that stage, it was a cool challenge where you could push a little bit, you know, and so we were able to get that. And mm -hmm. then we graduated. We all we, we ended up winning a few awards and all the awards we won were all like both of us as one artist, which was new for each of those awards. Mm -hmm. So that was really cool. And since I've heard that there have been other artists that have been able to use that because it's been precedented in the university. So that's mm -hmm. really cool. We that's also cool. were both presidents of the same class. They allowed us to, to co-president. Oh, yeah. Which, so, which was very for a very specific reason. <laughs> which is? The president had access to deciding where the school trip went. Oh. So we did a big fundraiser every year. And you then $15,000. And then the money That's would go towards a class trip. So we were really excited about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we went to Mexico City. Yeah. In the end. Nice. Yeah, it was radical. Oh, it was it was fantastic and most people didn't go so there was only nine of us and we split 15 grand what? that's awesome yeah, yeah so all our tickets were played, paid for and then we also ended up with a bunch of cash we got to the airport and got everyone got an envelope of US cash that's yeah. cool yeah it was very cool I mean it had 25 people because of the structure us. of the institution we were able to party within the inside of it yeah. And, yeah. Make, and make things happen right yeah. so you just gotta know what cards to play yeah and where you, <laughs> that's, that's if, there's a, if there's a structure there's probably somewhere to hang your coat you know, <laughs> you know somewhere to kick your feet up yeah, you can see it. So I think yeah. that's important too. Mm -hmm. But if there's anything important in this, is that is that like yeah. understand where you're standing? Yeah, and like then play with that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. like that sounds like pretty important. Yeah, yeah I think it is. I think yeah. that's for, probably for everybody in every kind of job and every kind of thing too. Is just like recognizing like where the real rules are and yeah. trying to find out which ones are malleable because that's it. you know some some rules break when they're bent and then that causes the structure to fall down. But some actually open to new rooms and that those kind of that malleability mm -hmm. kind of opens into. You know, work within it, and then it helps everybody feel good about it too. So then they become, you know, interested in your project, and they want to help you, yeah. right? So then you're like, mm -hmm. okay, great. You're acknowledging the structure, you yeah, know, just yeah. like it's just not just straight up anarchy or anything. No. I mean, that, that's sometimes the, the feeling, right? Of uh, no, I gotta fight this. But then, yeah. like, what are you gonna get at the end? I mean, it's important. Yeah, I'm not saying the opposite. No, but the thing is that you gotta work this system. Yeah, towards yeah, you gotta like, get people you, yeah. to want to work with you too, right? Yeah. So you have to make good relations. 
And that, and I think, those, is really hard for a lot of people. It, it is, totally. yeah. It's and, like, it's, yeah. it's like for us, it's been like, you know, we've had grants and, and scholarships like that really help us stay. Like, these are something that we look to for kind of keeping our, you know, nutrition levels yeah. up <laughs> and yeah. keep our clothes dry. That's and it. so... Um, <laughs> Two less things. Yeah. Oh, yeah so, no. One is I always ask what would be a good advice that you would give to young artists and artists that are kind of like starting their careers in this climate? Mm -hmm. Real advice for me would be um, integrity in your work. Do things, yeah. yeah, do things that make you feel good about your own practice. I think keeping integrity, doing the, you know, like quality control. I think that's a really good thing. My thing I always tell my kids is if you're going to do anything, do it well. Mm -hmm. It's very simple, but if you're going to, take any time to do anything, might as well follow through and and keep the integrity in your work as far as you can. You know, if, if you're going to make it, you got to stand behind it. Yeah, you'll be able to believe it. I think that's yeah. super key because at the end of the day, when 90% of the work that's made is not being sold and is never going to be kept in a museum and, and, and it's not going to be touted as some great intellectual property, even though it is, you know, it you have to believe in it. And if it's not satisfying your something in you for you first, I imagine it would be much harder to keep going. And then, you know, we, we need artists to keep going. We need them to be able to survive long enough to make more ideas because those ideas, they influence, like that sphere of influence is well, super important. Yeah. To have people mm-hmm. believing in themselves and doing things, even if it's not functional mm-hmm. in, in a sense that it doesn't have like, it doesn't hold a building up or it doesn't help water treatment get better. It still has a nutrients, yeah, like a nutritious value for yeah. our society. Mm-hmm. Art is super important in, in so many ways. And one of them is in just in people believing that there is capability to do something new. Yeah. Uh, something influences other. culture. Um, it is culture. You know, yeah. It is. It's, it's what it, we produce. Yeah. 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 And I think that's the hardest thing that like a lot of uh, artists struggle with is believing in their practice because it's hard. It's super hard and it's taxing on your mind. It's taxing on your wallet. And sometimes you feel like it's futile or there's no reason or how is it helping anybody? But it's actually it's like part of your your being to be an artist mm-hmm. is you can't actually not do it. You're like you are compelled to. And it's it's really your spirit. And I think that's the the hardest part is making sense of that. So if you, you know, have that in your in yourself, then it's it's you have to like constantly remind yourself that it's worthwhile. You know, and, and, and sticking with it. And sticking with it. That, and yeah. then finding people to do it with you because you don't want to be the lone artist in your mm. basement. Like that's really can be a depressing place or it can be a really inspiring place. But it's nice to like reach out and like also have crew, you know, like David and I just happen to work together. We've lucked out that way. But, you know, it's being an artist can be a super social space, you know, like there's so mm, totally. many people looking for that connection. You yeah. know, most of the time, I guess, like art, it's also made towards an audience, right? Yeah, completely. So yeah. it's, a, so it's I think that's, I think that's, I think that's what <laughs> yeah. it is. Yeah. Yeah. That I mean, like whether the artist or the maker becomes the audience, yeah. artwork is it is only artwork when it has that third part: mm-hmm. the maker, the object, and the viewer. So that can be like it can be a practice that happens one on one, but without without the third part, without becoming viewer of it, it's it's arguable that it doesn't exist. Yeah. You know what I mean? And because of that, that social scene that comes from it, I mean, that that's embraced. I mean, like, well, what happens at an art opening? Well, you know, 
we look at art, we talk about art, you know, some people, there's transactions that help the artists keep making work. But in general, we go there and socialize as groups, we meet there, and our life happens there. Yeah. The, 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 you know, we met at art shows, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, and we community. go and we see each other and we mm-hmm. talk about ideas that are bigger than what's happening just on the wall or on the canvas or on the floor. We talk about things that are super big and that's a safe space to communicate mm-hmm. is in and around art. I mean, it can be challenging because you have all the politics with it, but generally speaking, that art space are open spaces and they should be kept open spaces so that those dialogues can happen Mm -hmm. because that's where we're going to come up with the solutions for a lot of these hard challenges that are coming Mm -hmm. because we are and it's not only just about the future right i mean art is about now it's about us articulating it's the expression of us as people together Mm -hmm. and we 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 create these spaces in society because that's so important even if they're even if not everyone is the artist showing at the gallery you go there you aspire to it you dream about it you believe that it's it's it shows that art is so valuable when you go to a major museum that's got all this stuff or you go to an art gallery where all these people are passionately talking about i spent 10 years working on this one object you see value in things that are alternative to what are capitalist norms, even though that art is so generally swallowed up by capitalism. It really is. But it's also the place for an honest anti-capitalist kind of philosophy. It's a place mm-hmm. where that, that has the potential to grow, or at least the conversations around it have well, that potential. I guess I just just the fact that it exists yeah. is kind of like the counter-argument to yeah. like complete capitalism, because a lot of people don't get any money out of it right no. oh, yeah. it's just like the, the fact that it exists is also like yeah just celebrate. saying like this is yeah this, this is, is valid because yeah. it's been yeah. done mm-hmm. yeah you know and i think that's i think that's really important for yeah. people to believe that they can do something that they have an agency with it so as an artist it satiates this kind of inner desire that i need to fulfill my agency but from the outer from when i'm with a viewer and going to art shows i am affirmed or i see affirmation that agency has potential to be articulated and that that gives me the belief that I can continue doing what I'm doing so it's like a back and forth like that's that cool. that's good that's more like it <laughs> but, it's, but, it's, but it's, it's exactly it's exactly what you're saying you got no, that yeah. integrity to believe that you can yeah. do it for you yeah. and that if you're if you're taking that to heart right that that's the that's where that belief yeah. that's where it, that's what it fulfills and mm-hmm. then you've being fulfilled in that when you show it it perpetuates it, yeah. it for other people to believe that there's something yeah um last thing You were telling me a story when you met um, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. We were watching Fifth Element last night. We're like, we got to watch a movie that we don't have to think about because we're so tired, but we can't sleep because we've had a a long weekend of moving boxes and other things. I was going to ask you a question. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, that's it. Oh, Oh, yeah. I wanted to hear the story. Oh, Oh, yeah, 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 totally. Did it it happen to both of you or just you? No, I wasn't there. Yeah. Typically, I was at home with kids, but I was happy where I was. Yeah, yeah, totally. (laughs) Jake follows me. He's like, oh, my God, I get mad Bruce Willis. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah, totally. She's like, where are you? I'm like, I'm at the studio. She's like, Bruce Willis is in our studio? I'm like, no. Kind of. Let me tell you what happened. So what happened was I went up to the studio and I opened the studio. We had these like long hallway that goes down to our studio with one other studio at the end of the hallway they do shoot movies in the in in the place and they use the 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 space the loft space above our studio uh, as a movie set and so they filmed x-men there and they film all kinds of you know tv of the week and all kinds of movies there because it's such a cool architecture and i had the door open and then someone walked down the hall and kind of looked around and i was like oh they must be looking for the neighbor so i was like oh then they're not in right now and she's like oh okay i was like okay she's like uh <laughs> What did she say? She said, oh, it, I'm not looking for them. We're shooting a movie. And we're shooting a movie with Bruce Willis. I was like, like the Bruce Willis? He's here? She's like, yeah, you want to meet him? <laughs> I was like, 
I do want to go be Bruce Willis. Why, why would I turn that down? It's not the kind of thing you turn down. Sure. So she brings me downstairs. We go out on set, and she's like the manager of locations. And well, that's so weird. Why, why would Bruce Willis want to meet me? Was he just like, hey, can you get me some uh, some fans? I want to sign some. There's no one here for me to sign. I don't know what he was. Maybe. I don't know how this came down. <laughs> so we go out. We go to the craft tent, which is where they have all the catering. She's like letting me stuff my pockets with candies and gummy worms, which I don't want to eat because I don't eat candy. And then... <laughs> She's like, okay, we're just going to wait. And so I was waiting on set for Bruce Willis. And I ended up waiting for like, I don't know, at least an hour and a half, two hours. And it was pretty cold. It was like uh, probably late October or they had all the extras there that were going to run out of this nightclub. And then like, because there was a bomb in the movie or something. And they are all wearing like really small cocktail dresses and all Uh these girls and young guys in t-shirts. And then all of a sudden one of the staff comes over, like one of the people with like headphones and stuff. And he's like looking behind us at this garbage can that's just behind us. So I'm turning around looking at this garbage can. And I hear a voice, so I turn around, and then, like, over my right shoulder in in the evening, there's Bruce Willis. And then I look right beside him, like, whoa, no, that's Bruce Willis. And then I realized I was looking at Bruce Willis and Bruce Willis's stunt double, oh. who looks pretty much just like Bruce Willis and is wearing the identical outfit. So it was like, Bruce Willis, no, Bruce Willis. And I was like, whoa. And then I was like, oh, my God, yeah, yeah, oh, it's so nice to, to meet you. Oh, oh. And then I realized neither of them gave two shits about me. They didn't want to look at me. They wanted to look at the garbage can behind me. And I was right in their line of view. But I was like four or five inches. Like, they were right behind me when I turned around. Like, right. I was like breathing in Bruce Willis smell, you know? Like, I was, the air that was coming out of Bruce Willis's body and had been cycled through his body was now entering my body and I was becoming one at least on some oh, level wow. Bruce Willis so you became one yeah there was moments there was moments yeah. where he and I shared you know, <laughs> particles shared air. yeah we were totally in the same molecular area and then uh, I realized quickly like they ha- didn't want me there and I was like they just wanted to see the garbage can so I moved out of the way they looked at they the garbage say hi? can no 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 they just were like they're working we're working we're getting paid $10 million. You're obviously the guy from upstairs with pockets full of candy. Can you let us talk about the garbage can? So I moved out of the way. They talked about the garbage can. And then Bruce Willis would run out of the club and they'd get a close-up shot of him. He would run into where the garbage can was. And then the stunt double would run out and run down the parking lot. And uh-huh. then videotape him from the back or film him from the back. Because Bruce Willis can't run anymore. Vill- Bruce Willis doesn't get <laughs> paid enough to. to run uh-huh. 100 meters yeah, for sure. He, they're like, you run 20 feet. That's all you need to do, right? Like yeah. and. And then your guy will run for that. He's rest. way cheaper to run. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. that's uh, now yeah. that when I we talked about it, not not he and I, but when I talked to the staff, Bruce and I conversed about yeah, the running they, situation. They said, "Oh yeah, they don't, you know, they don't waste spending money on Bruce running when they can pay this guy way less to run." Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was that was meeting Bruce Willis at the studio, and then that, then I went back upstairs and like continued to paint, and but it was like kind of like extra jazzed up on caffeine. Yeah, and <laughs> got this great story of meeting Bruce Willis and meeting the director and stuff of a film. And then, and connection to that film thing is we ended up doing our thesis show mm-hmm. upstairs mm-hmm. in one of the film sets yeah. where they shot X-Men. Yeah. So it was kind of like the whole film, the whole film kind of theme. I could, both Jordan and I worked in film in BC. Uh, Jordan as costume and then I uh, in sculpture. Um, so that whole theme kind of rolled in with meeting Bruce Willis or encountering Bruce Willis and becoming one with Bruce Willis was kind of embodied in the next year as we kind of continued to work on the thesis show to, to actually do the show in the X-Men set. So it was like this huge architecture of this loft where we did this. Uh, yeah, it was a great location. Yeah, it was really great. And our work is a really kind of uh, thematic or like not thematic, but dramatic. It's very like very theatrical. Yeah. And so we did like really spotlighting and stuff yeah. and played with that kind of like campy theatrics yeah. uh, as part of our kind of material quality. And, mm-hmm. and then we set up all our show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I love those masks too. I mean, I oh, love yeah. the show. Thanks. But yeah. it's, and cool, like, right? it's like, oh man. Yeah, like, I mean, the, yeah there's well, something the, else, eh? It's like, what am I looking at? 
Yeah, and I think <laughs> how I did think, this happen? Yeah, I think specifically <laughs> in regards to like the work, like maybe we should just take the opportunity while we're, yeah, we're talking, just definitely. to talk specifically about a couple yes. of the pieces and something like that. But um, we were the thesis that we kind of were coming up with too was this idea of looking for the human in the digital and how does contemporary sculpture kind of flourish or function within the age of the image explosion or like when so much of our understanding of space is mediated through a two-dimensional screen. How does that make us perceive space in three dimensions and how do we digest that space and retranslate it? So the idea of everyone having a smartphone in their pocket uh, or generally everyone that goes to an art show uh, and taking pictures of the work that more people see the digital image of a work than they see the work. And so for myself as a young person, I am probably for many people that growing up with this idea and love of traditional kind of sculpture, uh, you know, was always mediated through books and then through computer screens and Google searches and then and this here. So as a sculptor, for both of us, we found our sculptors, we found that how we understood three-dimensional objects was by and large shaped by by a frame. By a frame, by framing. We were working with work that was embedded into it. So both in some of the ideas, they actually played up with this uh, kind of thought of the internet or uh, of image culture and that kind of play of the screen or the voyeur or the, the photograph or the object and this kind of this cycle. Um, the, for example, the idea of a mask. So one of the objects was uh, taking a, a Greco-Roman cast. And so we had bought, and I bought a, a first edition cast of a marble bust from Greece. And the uh, when I bought it from the antique dealer, it was it, I was told that the, the myth that came with it, because I bought it with a myth, which is always important for me, right. buy it with a story. And that story was that it was an authentic first edition cast, and it had an authentication stamp that was all in Greece, that was in bronze, and it, it was bedded in, into the, the cast itself. And um, although I couldn't read it, I never really tried too hard to, to get the readings. I don't want to know too much of the right. truth, maybe. You know, it's kind of nice, the story. But I bought this, this head that was a, a, a good copy, like it showed the age of the stonework and all that, of like a 2,000-year-old head bust and full-scale sculpture in a classic iconic shape. And we took that and we had it as an object in the studio, but then over time it started to turn into an art material where we, we'd started photographing it regularly and doing and different things. And dressing it up. And, it up and yeah. playing with it. You know, because costume design. Where do you buy it? I bought it at uh, an antique dealer up on Van Horn in Montreal. Okay, here. I bought it here in okay. Montreal. Yeah, yeah. A 155 Van Horn. Uh, a guy named Nicholas. He's like fantastic. He bought it in a large collection of stuff. And then because it had some damage on the shoulder, he couldn't mm-hmm. sell it to somebody that was looking to buy something for a collection. So he's like, I can give you a really good deal on it. It was still fairly expensive. It was maxed our budget for sure. Um, but we he bought it. I had to have it. And then... We wouldn't stop talking about it. He saw it one day and then was like, this a fascination. Because it was such an iconic capital A art piece or capital S sculpture. It was like the mm. pinnacle icon. So it was on the st- in the studio next to an old iMac, which was like the capital T technology <laughs> back in the day. It's really fun. But they were both so dated. So they they had this kind of like post-internet kind of quality of image of taking something really old and giving it new life. And so they they were just in the studio. But people would come over to the studio and all like go right past some of the work we were making straight to this old bust and like want to talk about this bust. And like, you know, like, wow, this is like so authentic, so cool. So we're like, oh, this is funny. I'm going to steal the thunder of this (laughs) of this object. We're going to we're going to take it and we're going to like we're going to um, use it for our own art purposes. So we ended up making casts of it. And in the casts of that, um, 
it, it really did function as like a, an icon of both traditional uh, art, but also traditional uh, European philosophy um, and all these things that are still topics that are widely debated in art schools and in, in all kinds of public spheres. So we had this object that fit in with all those things. And then it was like, how do we wield this object into making it into uh, something kind of, new? How do yeah. we? How so do we, we made a mold of it. Yeah. So we started casting it and we started trying to add to it and add colors and stuff like this. So we made a bunch of colored plaster molds that were like psychedelic marble and they were cool, but they were, there was something we were trying to figure out what it was. And we were looking and we were talking about the idea of what could we add to it. And Jordan was talking about this idea of cutting out the eyes, uh -huh. like, you know, scooping out the interior. So what we ended up doing was we took it and we cast it in a soft material. I was like, I really want to make it soft. And she really wanted to cut the eyes out. So we're like, okay, sweet. We're making a mask. So what does that kind of mean? So this object started to gain this life as this mask, which you could don that would be, you know, both uh, would disguise you as an archetypal philosophy or an archetypal kind of a social position or an archetypal kind of icon of sculpture, all these kinds of things. And we could, you, it, it kind of, it, it kind of hit, yeah, it. Hit, it hid your reality into this kind of facade of something else. So we started playing with these ideas of masks and thinking about kind of contemporary culture, how our personas that we build, mm. you know, are so caught up in this idea of mask making. So mm. our, our profile becomes our mask and how the images we articulate and the things we like connect us to this reference library that defines us as an individual. So yeah. this object was able to parallel that really quickly as, as artists that it was able to stand in for so many things, but also stand in as such a dated icon that it was so, it was so easy to look at and, and, and kind of discredit it right away as, as just like, like uh, simulacra kind of like as like the copy of the copy of the copy and you just kind of which kind of made it kitsch and so then there's this idea of playing with this idea of kitsch and like how the 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 thought process or the philosophies or the values that were encapsulated in the original 2000 year old object was now embedded in this thing and we were scooping out that interior meaning leaving it open for kind of this mm -hmm. kind of Open, yeah, well, keeping like again on that same that topic is like keeping the human within it. So like by creating a void, you also create space yeah. for people to be That's able it. to enter and to understand. So yeah. that was kind of the you know the the thought behind that. Yeah. And then once we did cut out the eyes and and just open the mouth a little, it was like yeah. like it was like came alive. Oh yeah, it was started, so exciting. Yeah. We're like, oh my god! Yeah. It was really <laughs> like we knew it was interesting, yeah. and that it was yeah, yeah, yeah. it was the act of decoupage or decoupage, like the, the the removing of something as opposed to adding that gave it space for meaning. Yeah, and so then reinvigorated um, it. Yeah, so yeah. we had this one object that was this mask, and now it was a mask. So it really spoke to theatricality, performance, all this kind of stuff. But we were isolating it as a non-working art object, and we placed it, you know, really high in the sky, kind of like on these posts that kept the sculpture at what height it would be based on its eye width. Oh. So we looked at what a human would be and the scale of it would be an eight foot tall figure because mm -hmm. the larger than life mass. And so we made these really raw posts and then we built this, you know, big kind of sweeping backdrop that was like almost like a, it was a, almost like an Eve's Klein blue. It was a, a film set paint that's uh, ultramarine blue, but a dry pigment. So it's completely matte and like, it's almost like velvet. And we used that as the backdrop, which kind of functioned in as like this digital blue. So it really started yeah. to speak to this digital language. And we had these hard sculptures and it was like these soft masks on these hard poles yeah. kind of being 
held up like this hard structure, this like, institutionalism or the the hard box and wires that kind of communicates our electronic kind of mm. personas, you know, like there's this, we were kind of trying to acknowledge the structure, mm -hmm. but then kind of defile the structure and kind of play with this kind of edge of, on both sides. Mm. And then these scooped out kind of eerie, almost pop culture kind of a horror movies, like B-rated horror movies of like Leatherface or like, you know, yeah. like uh, Friday the 13th kind of thing. Yeah. And they, yeah. they, they, they really optically, aesthetically were quite pleasing. And yeah. then they had these empty, vacant eyes. Mm -hmm. And then uh, on the bottom, we tiled um, we tiled the bases of the plinths. And that was not really as a necessity for a structure, but kind of an embellishment of aesthetic that tied to this idea of the grid, the Cartesian, mm -hmm. but really specifically uh, to two things. One, contemporary materiality and the obsession with like the general object and materials of household consuming and, and tiles and grids and stuff like that. But also back to like early movies from the early 80s and late 80s where right. um, like Tron, you know, and the, that the future was these grids that kind yeah. of spanned out forever. So yeah. we had these like white grids at the bottom yeah. that people could look at and engage with on a material level and they could recognize them because tile has this kind of opulence, but this kind of like resonance to it. So you could feel the, the tile, you could feel the steel, you could see the edge of the canvas. So it really had a material tactile quality that you could kind of negotiate with and these sagging open faces. So there was like... <laughs> Sounds horrible. It does sound horrible. It was quite beautiful. It was. Yeah, and then, and then you, could, you could navigate your way around it. But the idea was to create work that was really photogenic, that really yeah. it was begging to be yeah. photographed that in in its its desire was to be photographed and transferred back into image yeah. so we basically cut copy paste the same mold again and again and again and again physically so it's was kind of speaking to the way we would do an emoji 10 times in a row yeah. or the way we would repeat something for emphasis yeah. you know like a kind of concrete poetry kind of thing and there it was this kind of icon in this like total pop color on this backdrop and then people would come in or the hope was that people would come in and because these days it's totally common i remember when you couldn't take pictures at art galleries mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. now it's that's how the, that's, that's how, how they, they want that's yeah. what they want yeah. yeah so it was to really try and play into that structure yeah. that kind of thing and then and so people would come in and they did there were a lot of photos were taken and they the, the thing was that or one of the things is that's interesting with sculpture is that the photographer is given the freedom to choose their angle. Yeah. A painting, it's harder to do. It's more of a crop and some angling, yeah. but generally speaking, a painting speaks to itself yeah. very like in replication. Yeah. Whereas the copies made through the digital phone were always liberated by the action of the individual taking the photo. And yeah. so there was that kind of engagement that the the artwork was coming alive as it was copied. Mm -hmm. I kind of like the paradox though. Like when you take a picture of that, <laughs> you are kind of like doing the opposite of what the work is kind of like saying, right? Like, yeah, it's like but that's the whole are, cycle. Yes, that's it, right? Like, yeah. it's like, I am making my mask. Like, yeah. this is actually yeah. my mask. And that becomes part of the composition. Yeah. Exactly. And, we'll and that's, 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 really, that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, and so it was like, and it was just, it just kind of came together like that and really kind of worked very simply. Yeah. And then, um, and it was interesting too, because like these ideas of like making a work like that were also coming from image. So we were taking image, giving it life, shaking it free of its historicity uh, and then kind of replacing it into a new framework of context. And that new framework was able to speak to contemporary thinkers in so many different ways or contemporary mediators, photographers, whatever you want to call them, you know, without sounding too pretentious, but yeah. like people. It was able to speak to people now yeah. on hopefully on a level that was like interesting on more than just this idea that these are pretty sculptures or they're aesthetically they work. But that they worked and in, in engaging with them, that activated their function. Mm -hmm. So that was I kind think of it was playful because of that yeah. too. It gave people space to feel like they could 
Yeah, and that they wanted to. So we wanted to play with how do how do we look how do we look at art now and how as artists when we go to a show, what makes it interesting? How how is that time when we're all together in that space during the living action of the show? How do we share that with the people outside? How do we share that together? What are our new kind of modes of like or what are our, our, our more regular modes now of of what would you say, like kind of thinking or being mm-hmm. or whatever? Yeah, kind of like a living philosophy of now. Mm-hmm. That sounded weird. No, no, it is. I mean, like, it, it is a new way to communicate. It's a new way to sort of like portray yourself, which is like, I don't know, uh, you know, you can have your opinion on that. Yeah, and whatever, But like, it is sometimes anxiety inducing for a lot of people just because it's that. It's like you can build something that is not real and that you can portray yourself as that mm-hmm. when it's totally not you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I like that idea of looking at that specific aspect of using yeah. social media in general. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and trying to make like, you know, like without and also, uh, you know, I remember talking about this with other people early on in the degree about the idea of trying to make work that speaks about, you know, technology or the kind of interaction of technology and how so often that's used by including technology in the show. And and kind of this desire to try and make work. And I read it. It was I believe it was in uh, an article called The Digital Divide, mm. Claire Bishop. Mm. And so then in, in her article, the, the Digital Divide, she proposed this idea that it's not explicit to speak about technology through the use of technology. Like you don't need a computer there to speak about computers, but rather that some of the more interesting work that was coming out didn't have any sort of technology in it, but was somehow indicated through its absence. So we were working with this idea of talking about new age digital or new age, but contemporary work <laughs> in a very new age kind of way. <laughs> but talking about digital, talking about like digital, like the effect of digital uh, environment on our psyche and on how we think and how we make and mm-hmm. how we interpret but without having it present in the object. So it was kind of like this kind of throwback between the two things. And I mean, each one of the, how many pieces? We had seven pieces in the show, all tried to do that to some degree. They had to try to have this duality that spoke about multiplication or talked about the copy cut kind of, uh, copy cut paste kind of mentality of thinking or how that, how would we read that? Um, And other different things too, lots. I mean, it's a lot of work. I mean, you could probably talk about each piece. Yeah. Individually, we talk about them for hours because they take us months to make. So we end up talking about them for hours and coming up with all these reasons of why they're good or why they're horrible. (laughs) And then that's all tied in to them. So it was pretty cool. That's great. No, it was was a good show. Mm -hmm. It was really fun. I was really appreciated. uh, This thing lately of uh, work that is um, not completely finished sometimes, Mm -hmm. uh, this was completely the opposite to me. Yeah. It was completely like finished work, like yeah. very like tight yeah. at the end. What did Hug say? He said it was very um, seductive. Seductive, like the work can kind of mm-hmm. seduce you, and it's like pulls you in, but you're not really sure exactly what it is that you're being yeah. seduced by. Yeah, and yeah. then and there's like, always I'm like not sure a bit why of I love like, this, it's but it's also a bit eerie. So there's yeah. this kind of repulsion yeah. Kind of yeah. quality too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's really interesting too. Is that our work is about for us first? Yeah, and so yeah. like this is also a question too. Is like, well, how do you know what to do and this and that and how it fits in? And it's like, well, to be honest, the work is super selfish in that it's for us, and it's like our work is about our conversation together mm. so we often talk about this thing we saw and you know when blue planet came out that series of like now we're with peter what's his name david attenborough david attenborough and we're in borneo looking at the wild borneo bird so uh, watching the wild borneo bird which was actually the bower bird um it would 
it was a sculptor. It was a contemporary collector. It would make an assemblage of blue things around a nest that's mm. called a bower, and then it would entice a mate. And it was through the 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 organization of these materials that convinced the mate whether or not to stick around or whether to go find someone who is better at putting stuff together. Yeah. So we've had this back and forth where it's both yeah. of us doing this, where we've this kind of our work is this kind of seductive dance between us. Mm. And like, so the language is closed off. And mm. so there's a lot of times people want us to tell what things are meaning about. It. And we're like, well, that's not really, it's not that it's not there for you to share, but it's like, it's a conversation you'll never get. Like if mm. I tell you that means that, then I need to, might I be, need yeah. to rehearse you on. It might be anticlimactic. That's for us. It's yeah. like, it's a private thing which we're dealing with and it results in something that we decide to share. Yeah. And there are certain things that for all the reasons we decide not to share because, you know, it might be like, oh, this this has got too much meaning. It's a great piece, but this is for us. We're going to keep this safe. Or yeah. that seems to open up too much of this window into our personal life that it's great that we made that work, but this isn't for everyone. This is for us. And those can be complicated on how and why they are. They're not like, oh, because that has your penis and her butt in it. No, <laughs> it's not it. It could be just that for whatever reason that that's not for everyone else. We tried to avoid that as much we as possible. Avoid <laughs> as much as possible yeah. but it, it, it leaks it, it yeah, leaks can't make it. any promises can't make <laughs> any that was even like we were, we were hanging out with uh, Nicolas uh, Grenier uh -huh. and uh, we were talking to him about the show because he came to the show and yeah. we went and saw his show after yeah. and we were chatting back and forth and it was an interesting thing because we are talking about that idea of seduction and talking yeah. about that idea of courtship that goes on and he was talking about the idea he was like I don't know if it's okay for me to say this but, and I mean it as a compliment but you play with glam mm. and that's what he said and, and, and I, I He's like, I really mean it as a compliment. And it's really hard to do, but you seem to be doing that well. And it's work like it, the work works, uh, but it's working with this idea of glam, you know, and it's like that glam is that idea of seduction and that kind mm. of material, like being in, in, in kind of a, you know, a consumer society where materials yeah. surround us every day is that there's different resonances and in all those materials. And the polished quality? I think it's a bit yeah. of it. I think it's a bit of all these so articulations of black tiles. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the green chain, the pink mask, all yeah. the things have this kind of yeah. heavy finish that's kind of broken and contrasting, but it's like, you know, this idea of yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. yeah. We're striving to embed ambiguity into things. Like mm -hmm. we really don't want to say like, this is how it feels to be me, but rather when I'm being me and making work, this is what happened. Uh -huh. And from that, there's lots of entry points for you yeah. to view that or come into that as a viewer and extrapolate it on what it is to be you, not to figure That's, out what it is to be me, yeah. but to take that. And At the end is that, right? Like there's mm -hmm. self-reflection in the pieces. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, yeah, what do you see? What do you feel? And sometimes I feel like, the success of art in general is when it makes you feel anything. Anything. Yeah, that openness. Yeah. Are you alive? Are yeah. you, yeah. Sad. Yeah. Happy. Yeah. Anything. It yeah. really resonates with you somehow. Yeah. It's bringing something out of you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, having when a you reaction. Pass, yeah, exactly. When you step in front of a piece and nothing happens and... That's when you start to question, okay, so what's going on here? Yeah. Because there's no, no. There's no thing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We and, had a painting yeah. professor, Brian Riley, who is, uh, was also one of our grad <clears throat> grad uh, advisors in, 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 at UBC. And uh, he, he, he won, he told us, well, they can't all be masterpieces. So, like, if you need to make 99 pieces to get one masterpiece, let's just get those 99 out of the way. Mm -hmm. So, we just, that overabundance of making to get something good to edit it down with something. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, this has been great. Yeah, yeah hey, thanks super for having thanks us. For I want to yeah. say, like, I mean, I've learned a lot already. And I, <laughs> I will learn a lot more when I like, edit yeah. all yeah, this. Yeah, totally re listen go, like, man. Yeah. I hear the subtlety in his voice on that. <laughs> totally. totally. <laughs> totally. 
No, All thank right. you so much for for taking the time. Oh, oh pleasure. such an absolute pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Such a pleasure. Thanks for sharing. This and, is uh, but this is what yeah. comes yeah. from art. Yeah, thanks for right? like what we were talking about earlier about mm. the conversations that come outside of this, and like we've had conversations outside of this room, but this is valuable. Like it's mm. like for us being artists is valuable. Why? Because we can sit and talk, you know, about ideas that were maybe surrounded by or used like the seed was an art piece or an art show but really it's more the kind of oh it's creative conversation yeah I'm, I'm really happy that that's a side product because to be honest with you and it's kind of like what yeah. you said before this project to me is kind of selfish also because this is I'm learning this yeah, stuff right like this way yeah. mm-hmm. and it's like kind of like I'm doing something out of my league yeah like I'm, I'm putting myself in like a vulnerable position because this is not what I you know dominate yeah. like yeah uh, it resonated so much when you said that that you make work for the two of you yeah, yeah. and it's like yeah, it's like, yeah this is yeah I, mean, I totally understand yeah. that and yeah. then if somebody else appreciates it, it's great. But because if, you're, you're are giving the opportunity to share it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Well, at, at the end, I yeah. am sharing it, but I, I'm sharing something that I, I already like. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And totally. that's kind of like what you said about your pieces. That is, it's already like a conversation that you are having, and that's you know that satisfies how you, it enough. Yeah. And how you access to it is totally on you. Yeah. It's not like on the meaning of this. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I like that. That's very cool. So yeah. Again, thanks so much. Oh, thanks, Max. It was really great. Yeah. All the uh, appreciate it. Yeah, all the time and yeah. thanks and good luck with the uh, BC hey, trip. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna go pick up yeah. a moving car at, like right now. Yeah, we're uh, I think we're actually late. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna go pick up the moving van, bring it back to the house, load the last of the stuff that's going to the studio. Yeah. And tomorrow morning, Jordan flies out on a plane, and I spend the week creating wow. up that show we were just talking about at the studio and nice and if, shipping it. Well. If you ever need like space to put one of those heads. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely. You're yeah. in now. You don't even realize how heavy that is. <laughs> oh, you're getting it. <laughs> totally. Oh, we're he's like got a huge orb. Also, he yeah. did. Yes, right, he right. Did. Yes, yeah. you're, you're, you're yeah. definitely headworthy. <laughs> I knew that would eventually come yeah. up. David and I have been, we've been talking about it. We're like, oh, it's so awkward to say that word so much. I don't know. We're so perverted, but totally. here we go. Everybody's... It's about seduction. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to say it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. Okay, that was my conversation with Jordan and David Duty. I hope you guys have liked it and had fun listening. Into this podcast will be back in three weeks with a conversation about the next show at TAP, TAP Art Space, featuring artist Ginny Riddle and blogger Dimitri Velasquez. The show is called Single Family Home for Sale and we'll be sharing a conversation between the three of us. Please subscribe to Into This Podcast wherever you get your podcast to avoid missing it. This episode was edited, produced, and hosted by me, Mark Trish Wilson, music, mastering, and mixing by Arcadio Lanz, visuals by Abraham Mercado, and the always smooth Victor Garibay, a.k.a. Gary. Very special thanks to Jordan and David for their time, and thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you in three weeks. All right. Cheers. Cheers.